1: Alright, so thank you for tuning in, chopping at the bit I'm Calendars of Course. And on this episode, we're gonna talk about week 18 in the NFL. We'll kind of go over you know what happened, or well, at least the important things that happened, and then we will take a look at the final standings and the playoff picture. Won't go into the playoff matchups yet. We'll do that later in the week when I do playoff preview, at least the wild card round preview. Um, but we'll talk about the aftermath of this season with the uh, Black Monday, and I believe we even had a coach get fired on Tuesday. So we'll look at the openings, see maybe what jobs are surprising to me that they're open. Which ones I kind of figure were going to happen. And I guess I'll give. Maybe my top three. Of the available jobs. That I think are the best. In the best situation. Then finally. End the episode. Have to talk about Antonio Brown. I haven't done that yet. But I'll do that at the end of this episode. Let you know what I think about what's going on. And then. Yeah, guess I'll get you set up for the rest of this week and what episode you should expect. So with that, let's go ahead and talk about week 18. So it's the first week 18 the NFL, you know, it's had, I got to say, for all the concerns of the extra game and all that kind of stuff, I thought it was wildly successful. We had a lot of playoff. Uh, scenarios that were still up in the air. We had a basically a win and in situation for Sunday night, which was great. Uh, we had some uh, intrigue in terms of you know teams winning and then waiting to see what other teams would do to see where they would be going. We had an upset, which I'll get into here in a little bit, that I think shocked everybody. So, all in all, I think. It was a very successful week 18 and i mean it was aided by the fact that all the games were divisional games that always adds to the level of competition but um yeah there were some great games there were some that weren't weren't so great to watch but like i said it was a good weekend Um, But let's start off with, I guess, the shocking upset of the weekend, the Colts-Jaguars game. Because when I was looking at the playoff scenarios, I kind of penciled in the Colts because, you know, it was a situation where they just needed to win, really. And they were going to be in. They were playing the lowly Jaguars who were coming off a 50 to 10, you know, route from the Patriots. So you kind of figured last game, Jaguars probably wouldn't be playing for much. And the Colts probably would get to, you know, cakewalk into the playoffs. Well, that did not happen at all. The Jaguars, I believe, played their best game of the season. It's something, I guess, once the new coaching staff gets in there, maybe they can build a little bit on uh, going into next year. Uh, we'll be intrigued to see what the Jaguars do look like next year in terms of draft picks they bring in they're getting Travis Etienne back as he was the second first round pick they had the running back out of Clemson so you know Jaguars I guess should be a better team next year but we're talking about this year and they were they've been abysmal all year Uh, Trevor Lawrence had his issues throwing a lot of picks and yeah, so they figured the Colts were going to you know, run all over them. But what we did notice in the game was, and this is kind of something that I've been wanting to see all year, where Jonathan Taylor gets neutralized, and the Colts are now having to rely on Carson Wentz to make plays for them in order to win a game. Can he do it? We know that he did it back in Philadelphia when he was having his MVP-type year before he got hurt. But since then, I don't really think we've seen that Carson Wentz. Now, I do. Some media people were thinking with him going to Indy with Frank Reich and those guys there, that it'd be one of those situations where if you change the scenery for Carson Wentz, then maybe you can get back to the good Carson Wentz. So this was his opportunity, and it... I mean it was awful. So the Jaguars, you know, beat them twenty-six to eleven. And let me see what Wentz did real quick. So Wentz 1729 185. Touchdown interception. But on a day where he also lost the fumble. But on a day where Jonathan Taylor only gave them 77 yards when we know that the formula for the Colts has been you know, Jonathan Taylor running for like 120, 130 and kind of limiting the responsibility for Wentz. It didn't go that way this day. There's a little bit more put on Wentz and you saw what happened. I mean, it was a Uh, The Colts only had three points going into the fourth quarter. And they got a meaningless touchdown, two-point conversion to get to 11. So it's going to raise questions uh, about Carson Wentz. You'll probably hear over the offseason, not necessarily rumblings of trades or anything like that, but there's going to be a lot of wonder because now they're going to have to sit here, live with this loss. You know, while watching the playoffs, going to the draft, the off season, all that. And I mean, like I said, it was a surprising loss because I figured that they were going to be a shoo for the postseason. But then once the Colts lost, it opened up scenarios for other teams. And one of the teams that, you know, found new life because of that was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh needed... Some help to get in. So, with like I said, Tennessee losing it opened up. I think Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, duh, duh, duh. and oh yeah, and the possibility of the Raiders and Chiefs, I mean, Raiders and Chargers both getting in. So it made the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game, I guess, a little bit more interesting. Although that game wasn't exciting to watch it was two teams that really struggled offensively I know everybody was really high on Big Ben last week but this week we saw more of uh, I, I will say he was probably a little bit better but he wasn't as good as that Cleveland game um I mean, this game, he threw for 44 times, which that's not a winning formula for the Steelers normally. Now, it did help that for the Ravens, they had uh, Huntley at quarterback. And I think this is probably the first time I really got to see Huntley play for an extended period because I hadn't really watched a lot of Ravens games, uh, especially once, I guess, Lamar got injured. Didn't really watch a lot of Ravens games on TV. And I think you could basically say this Ravens season, it's been the tale of two quarterbacks in Jackson and Huntley that just couldn't make enough plays with their arm to ultimately get them to the playoffs. If you remember, they started off the year 8-3 and three and then went on to lose their last six games. So... Um, say so yeah, they lost to the Steelers 16-13 overtime uh, Baltimore now has to figure out well I know Baltimore's going to go into next year thinking that all they need is a healthy Lamar and they'll be fine and I still say that they uh, do need to push Lamar to develop his passing game because we'll have to see once he comes back from Was it ankle injury or something? Does that take away from any of his athleticism or his speed, anything like that? Because the way that Lamar Jackson is built, if, if his speed, acceleration, agility, all that get compromised, then you're looking at a guy who's maybe an average quarterback at best. So hopefully while he still has the ability to you know, make plays with his legs that he continues to develop his accuracy and all that and if he can get to a place where you, know, you have to fear him in the passing game as well as his ability to scramble and make plays then and only then do I think the Ravens will be a legitimate Super Bowl contender but until then I just don't see it Uh, Even with this year, if Lamar had played all 17 games, sure, they may have made the playoffs, but I wouldn't have them as any more of a Super Bowl favorite than they are right now not being in the playoffs, to be honest with you. Uh, So the Steelers, they get the win, and now they're sitting around waiting to see because getting the win, having the Colts lose, now the only thing they're really waiting for is um, Raiders, Chargers not to end in a tie so uh, there's a winner in that matchup the Steelers now get in and I will say coming into this final weekend I did not think it would, it would line up in any way for the Steelers to really have a chance like I said I was expecting the Colts to win but I mean, that just opened up the floodgates for anything to happen. Um, So then I guess let us see what else over there in the AFC, that's noteworthy. I mean, the Titans took care of business with the Texans, although the Texans did play hard and the Titans, you know, secured the number one seed, which is what they were playing for this weekend. Um, Little like I said a little bit we'll take a look at the final uh, standings and the playoff bracket but um, let's see, let's see what we do. So, yeah, I guess we'll just go into the Sunday night game which was Chargers Raiders I think easily was the best game of the weekend so now we're going into that game and it's the current picture was that current wildcards were with New England I think the Chargers in Pittsburgh at that point yes so for the Chargers and the Raiders if they win either one wins they get in as the sixth seed no if the Chargers won they would be the sixth seed because at that point they would lose the tiebreaker to the Patriots but if the Raiders would win the Raiders would jump from out of the playoffs all the way up to the number five seed so like I said great game uh, it was a little bit slow in the beginning but it really picked up and as the game got later on into the third quarter heading into the fourth quarter Uh, I think Collinsworth started talking about the real possibility that the two teams were going to tie. And um, you know, four quarters wasn't enough for the game. We went into overtime. And then in overtime, both teams got possession of the ball, didn't do anything. And then coming out to the very last possession where the Raiders had the ball. We were well under a minute at this point. There was kind of a scramble on the field, Raiders getting into position, Chargers trying to get their defense to line up, and Brandon Staley called a timeout, and it was a rough game for Brandon Staley because he had the failed fourth down conversion early in the game, like on their own 18, and I know Brandon Staley is one who likes to go for it on fourth down, but I do think that he was a little bit reckless with that decision-making at parts in the season. And there's a good chance that you could pinpoint some of those decisions that, you know, cost the Chargers a few games throughout the year, which now looking back on it, had them in this situation where they needed to win to get in. So I, you know, I understand, like I said, brand Staley coaches aggressively like that. I understand it. You know, be true to who you are. And I guess you could give him credit for the final game of the season for him not to change his philosophy, but especially with that one on their own 18, you know, like to see better judgment, you know, punt the ball away and play like that. But anyway, the calls timeout, people are wondering what's going on because I believe it was like 20 seconds on the clock, maybe even less like 15 and to be honest, the way the Raiders were approaching their offensive sequence it did look like the Raiders are going to play for the tie Uh, I think well, they're around midfield so it seemed like they were going to play where they're going to wait bleed the clock and then maybe go for like a Hail Mary just to kind of see what happens basically they weren't going to let the Chargers get a chance at winning the game and for them, like I said they're going to make sure that either it was a tie or they're going to win it the very last second. So when the Chargers did call the timeout, I was watching the game. I thought it was really weird that he called the timeout. I think later on I heard that supposedly Staley called the timeout because the defense wasn't set. I think Renfro was kind of left uncovered. So Staley called the timeout to get the defense set. Fine. Um, yes, that was a big moment in the game, but I do think the following play is where the game was lost for the Chargers. Because the defense is now out there. They've talked it through in the huddle for the timeout. Raiders come out and shotgun, but they've done it the play before and just kind of did a little handoff, like a draw inside zone type run. And they did the same thing on this play. So all the Chargers basically had to do was, you know, Plug the running lane. Make the tackle. You know, don't give him a first down or anything like that. And then at that point, probably going to get a tie out of it. Well, the defense didn't really pursue the ball. Was it, it might have been, I think it was Josh Jacobs who ran it. But he found a hole on the left side. Gained like eight, nine yards. Got the first down. And then at that point, the Raiders realized that they were in field goal range at that point. So, lead the clock down, kicker on the field, kicks it, they they make the field goal, win it, they get in. And if you look at the Raiders season, really interesting. Started off well, then we start hearing about some of this John Gruden stuff. Ultimately, John Gruden's gone. They bring in the interim coach struggled a little bit in the middle of the season. Looked like they weren't going to make the playoffs. Then, late in the year, they go on a little run. Certain teams in front of them lose, you know, a couple of games here and there. They get back into the picture and ultimately, in the playoffs, as a top wild card, you know, by the end of Sunday because of their win over the Chargers. And... I mean, I guess it was a great way to cap off a really weird season for them. For the Chargers, got to be some head-scratching because there's a lot of talent on that team. Uh, You have Justin Herbert, great young quarterback, one of the more talented quarterbacks in the AFC, at least, if not in all of NFL. You have a capable running game. You have stud wide receivers and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. You have good tight ends. Well, good tight end uh, Jared Cook. Defense, you got Dermot James, guys like that. Uh, You know, defense is formidable. And somehow, I guess for the second year in a row, they don't make the postseason. Now, I'm not going to completely, you know, close the book on the Chargers, because I still think that their future is bright. But I do think that this was a missed opportunity for them. Um, We'll see what kind of decisions come out of the organization. I don't expect Brandon Staley to get fired or anything like that, of course. But um, do we see a coaching shakeup, maybe? Um, I don't know. they will be an interesting team to watch going into next year. Uh, So... So that kind of takes care of all of the craziness happening on the AFC side. NFC, the only thing that was really up in the air was I mean, some seeding, of course. But the two games that everybody was looking at, Saints-Falcons and Uh, Niners-Rams. That was the only playoff spot that was open. So it was one of those where if the Niners won, they got in, Niners lose, Saints win, then the Saints are in. Obviously, both teams lose, then the Niners are in. Uh, so looking at both matchups, the Saints had the easier matchup, of course. They have a Falcons team that was just eliminated from the playoffs last week. Uh, we all know their struggle that they had this season. The 49ers have a Rams team that, yes, they're in the playoff, but they had uh, seating to play for. The Rams I believe going into this had an outside shot at the one seat, I think. No. No, Green Bay wrapped at the one seat last week, but I think the Rams could be the two seat depending on what happened with the Bucks and all that. So, Rands going to the matchup. They're motivated, looking to win. The Niners are incredibly motivated because they need to win. Game's going on. This is another game that came down to the fourth quarter. Probably very late to the fourth quarter because uh, the Niners found themselves down uh, 24-17 laying the fourth driving down the field within the final 30 seconds they get into the red zone Uh, they were able Garoppolo was able to lead them into the end zone tie the game this game goes into overtime and in overtime the I think first couple possessions nothing really happening I believe it was the second Rams possession Stafford tried to go downfield down the right side gets picked off uh, gives the 49ers decent field position, and the Niners are able to go down the field, line up for a field goal, get the field goal, get the win, clinch the playoff spot. Uh, the Saints did all they could. Uh, they got a 30-20 win over the Falcons, but they didn't get in. And to be honest, I wanted to see the 49ers then over the Saints. Uh, Because I don't like the Saints quarterback situation. So I think if they had gotten in, it would have made that wild card matchup for, uh, you know, whoever was going to be that much easier. I think now with the 49ers in, makes that game, that wild card game that much better. Uh, We'll have to see what Garoppolo feels like. I know he's dealing with the hand injury. But he played in the Rams game and he played well enough. So I'm fully expecting him to be the starter. Uh, the Niners' defense really coming along. And then offensively, we know that the Niners can do some things. So, not saying the Niners are a dangerous playoff team, but I do think that they're a team that can surprise, you know, somebody. Wild card weekend. Uh, so, you take all that into account. Uh, you know, some other games happen. Blah, blah, blah. Week 18's done. So, now we skip... Ahead to the playoff bracket, and uh, so ultimately, we'll start with the AFC. Tennessee ends up as the one seed 12 and 5. Uh, Chiefs also 12 and 5, but you know, they lose the tiebreaker to Tennessee because Tennessee beat Kansas City uh, earlier in the year. Buffalo wins the AFCs for the second year in a row at 11-6 they're your three seed the Bengals gotta say real quickly side note here uh, congratulations to the Bengals winning the AFC North they went 10-7 and seven. Uh, I think I said on here before coming into the year Bengals are seen as the worst team in that division well they went worse the first and now we'll see what they look like with their first taste of postseason Uh, also what this will do for next year year after the near future here what does this do for the Bengals franchise you know now do they kind of operate as a like does the mentality of the organization change to the fact of them expecting to be in the playoffs year after year now We'll see. Or is it going to be a one-year wonder type thing and they go back towards the bottom of the division? I don't expect that, but we'll see. So I just want to say that real quick. Like I said, Raiders are now the five seed at 10-7. Patriots, six seed, 10-7. and seven. Steelers, your last team in, 9-7-1. So your playoff matches are going to be Tennessee gets the bye You'll have Pittsburgh going to Kansas City in the 2-7 matchup. Patriots go to the Bills, 3-6 matchup. Raiders go to Cincinnati in the 4-5 matchup. Like I said, later in the week, we'll do like a legit preview of the matchups and all that. For right now, that's your playoff picture in the AFC. NFC, Green Bay gets the bye, 13-4. And they clinched that because of the head-to-head win over Tampa Bay earlier in the year. Tampa Bay is now your two seed, 13-4. Cowboys win the A- the NFC East. Of course they do. They're 12-5, your three seed. Rams, 12-5, the four seed. How powerful is
0: Cox Internet? So powerful that one day
1: And that's another thing where the Cowboys beat the Rams early in the year, so they own the tiebreaker. So your wildcard teams, you got the Cardinals, 11-6. Interesting to see what the Cardinals, after spending so many weeks in the number one seed, to now fall back to the five. And uh, we'll see what, that's, what that will do psyche-wise for the team. But they're a team that if it's clicking could be a dangerous wildcard team and they would definitely be a team that I could see, you know, doing the Tampa Bay thing, making a run of the Super Bowl as a wildcard. They have the talent but they're the 5 seed Niners, 6 seed 10 and 7 and the Eagles get in at 9 and 8 and they beat the Saints on the tiebreaker head to head early in the season so I guess the Eagles are probably the biggest surprise there, but that's your bracket. So that means Green Bay with the bye. The Eagles will travel to Tampa Bay in the 2-7 matchup. Niners go to the Cowboys in the 3-6 matchup. I mean, that's like vintage 90s NFC playoffs there. Niners, Cowboys. So it's going be great to see that kind of playoff rivalry continue and then the 4-5 matchup got the Cardinals going to LA to face the Rams so that's the good news of week 18 now the not so good news is the fact that the first Monday following the season is always seen as black Monday because coaches end up getting fired so uh, let's see here. Let me make sure I get all of the coaching vacancies correct here. So let's see. Okay. All right. So the Jobs that are now open. Well, we know the Raiders jobs open because John Gruden was gone middle of the season. You know the Jacksonville job's open because of the Urban Meyer thing. Um Joe Judge was fired Tuesday by the Giants. So far, well I guess the Grun one They're going before the year, probably the biggest surprise so far. But based on what happened during the year, it's, you knew it was going to happen. So right now, three jobs. You kind of expected those. Um, the Bears fired Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. That was kind of expected because of I mean, his job was on the line coming into the year. They didn't have a good year. Uh, he did kind of catch some heat for his handling of Justin Fields. So it made sense. Uh, the Vikings got rid of Mike Zimmer and their GM as well wasn't fully surprised by that one because uh, they're paying Kirk Cousins good money haven't really gotten the results so naturally Zimmer is gone um, it's also five jobs so far okay. uh, the Dolphins this one I will say did surprise me they got rid of Brian Flores thing is it's because the last two years Flores led the Dolphins to winning records so for a franchise in the Dolphins that you know, before Flores was not exactly that successful to turn around and fire a guy after two winning seasons well, gotta say is really shocking to me but i Don't expect Flores to be out of a job long. I mean if he was able to win down in Miami, you'd have to think he's gonna get one of these other jobs. So I expect to hear his name for a hire soon. That's a six jobs and then the seventh job, the Broncos fired. Vic Fangio. One surprise at all there's questions about his job coming into the year so looking at those seven jobs like I said the Miami one is the only one that really surprised me so um, thinking really quickly of the seven jobs I would say the top three jobs would be I'd probably go Raiders one I mean they were playoff so the next coach who goes in there, you basically you definitely have something to build off of. Uh, the one, I guess the number one job for the next coach would be to you know maintain. Well, I guess they have to make a decision on Derek Carr. Seems like every year there's talk about whether they you know extend him, trade him, blah 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 well you hear more of that talking in this offseason I think getting to the playoffs because I said this like in the middle of the season that would be the biggest thing for him because he's a talented quarterback it's just that it hasn't turned into playoff appearances well now he's down in the playoffs going against the Cincinnati team if they're able to get a win that will look much better for him as well so I expect Carr to be there next year um but contract-wise, I'm not really sure. So there's probably going to need to be some... some negotiations going on in the offseason. But, like I said, I think that's a great job. Carr's there. You got a good quarterback. Jacobs is a good running back if you keep him healthy. You got Waller, the tight end, who's good. You have Renfro in the wide receiving group. Good. So... I actually think the Raiders could go with an offensive-minded or defensive-minded coach. I do think defensively they could, you know, improve a little bit there. But they could go with an offensive mind to try to unlock the true potential of the offensive group. Second job, I would say, is probably the... So I think with, with two and three, I'd probably go Vikings, Dolphins. But I don't know if I should go Dolphins, Vikings. But those are the next two that I think are good jobs because, I mean, the Dolphins, you're getting a team that was above 500. Uh, you'll have questions that quarterback is two of the guy or not. And, well, I mean, outside of that, pretty good Defense. Um, running game is going to be a big question mark. What do you do to improve that? But the toughest thing about the Dolphins job is going to be, are you able to get ahead in the AFC East where we know what Buffalo is right now? Uh, New England, it's a rookie quarterback, but he had a pretty good rookie year. So we'll have to see how he looks year two. And if he does improve, you know, make that sophomore jump, then you expect the Patriots to be a little bit better next year. So is there a way for, you know, the new coach in Miami to get in the middle of that? Or is it going to be something like this year where, you know, the three seed hoping to win enough games to get in on the back end of the wild card. But other than that, I think it is a good job. I really do. And and then the Vikings. That's close to team Vikings. And I think the Broncos are probably just on the outside of the top three. But I'm going Vikings because, yes, Kirk Kirk Cousins is frustrating at quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. He's not great. You know, he's not a superstar or anything like that. But he's a good, serviceable quarterback. You have Dalvin Cook. You have Adam Thielen. Uh, Defensively, you have a good foundation to build with. It's just... Production on the field in primetime games, which has always been an issue. And... Um, lessening the the kind of lulls in the play where sometimes the Vikings seem to play down to inferior opponents and lose a game or two in the year that they shouldn't. Gotta fix that. And then that's a situation where I think could be a quick turnaround and the Vikings could be a playoff team next year. So I think those are the three job openings that I think of the best now the worst job out of the seven its another story um, might be the Giants job because quarterback we don't know it seems like Daniel Jones isn't the answer your back is Mike glennon he's not the answer you have Saquon Barkley but he's coming back from injury and don't really know if he can last the full season yet. You have wide receivers, which is good, but with no quarterback to throw to them, how effective are they? And the wide receiver group uh, dealt with a lot of injuries this year. So now you have injury concerns there. Defensively, they're not terrible. And. I think it's just a product of the offense not being great. I mean, not being good that I think put so much pressure on the defense that, um,
0: This episode is made possible by PwC. When you put the right tech in the hands of the right people, good things happen. It powers change. It accelerates innovation. It keeps you a step ahead. Our community of solvers brings the right tech to drive real results. Learn more at thenuequation.com.
1: I think they faded towards the end of the year. But... Only because the quarterback situation is such a big question mark I put the Giants as the worst opening uh, it's a quarterback league they don't have one that's why uh, so yeah so that's my two cents on I guess the Black Monday aftermath and the coaching jobs that are available so now let's wrap this up talk about Antonio Brown real quick and then like I said to wrap up the episode so Antonio Brown I've been waiting to talk about this because it's an interesting situation so I mean you all saw it Just a couple of weeks ago he had his outburst on the sideline ripped off his jersey and all that threw his gloves into the crowd blah, 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 blah. skipped to the tunnel jogged down the tunnel never to be seen again in a Bucs uniform apparently we'll see but um a lot of questions came out of it. We had Antonio Brown's side about how he wasn't healthy to play, and we heard from Bruce Arians and some other uh, league people that the issue was with you know targets and incentives, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff, money for Antonio Brown. So now it's created kind of a division of: Do you trust the Antonio Brown's word that he wasn't healthy, or do you go with? Bruce Arians or the team or NFL people who are saying that it was probably that it was more of incentives and targets base. And I gotta say, Antonio Brown does not get the benefit of the doubt with me. I've seen too many times where he's messed up situations and then found his way out. I believe the Pittsburgh thing, it was He wasn't happy with targets with Big Ben but he thought Big Ben was throwing too I think it was was Smith Schuster at that time too much and not to him so he started missing meetings and then it was a Facebook live video in the locker room while Tomlin was addressing the team and that ultimately led to him being sent away goes to Oakland, doesn't even play a game for Oakland he becomes a headache out there gets to New England people thought this was a spot where he would calm down he has the off field thing with you know threatening the witnesses or whatever Robert Kraft says he's gotta go he's gone from there even though Tom Brady wanted him Robert Kraft says "We we can't deal with this Tom Brady gets to Tampa Bay tells Tampa Bay I want Antonio Brown here Antonio Brown goes there last year you know they kept the Super Bowl title. Everything's looking great coming into this year. Yeah, why not be? Why wouldn't it be fun down there again? He gets hurt, misses some weeks, comes back. Blah blah. blah. Leads to the Jets game. So he had. it seventh, like I said. He needed to hit. I believe he needed what five catches, five more catches like 60 yards, I think a touchdown to hit some incentive. And the report is he didn't like the fact that Brady was starting to target Rob Gronkowski more after it looked like Cronk was in the doghouse. A couple of games prior to that, because was like a missed touchdown pass or something, blah, blah, blah. So like Antonio Brown approached Tom Brady about, about, you know, Which I thought was ridiculous because Brady's been voucher for Antonio Brown, you know, since New England. And like I said, in Tampa Bay. So clearly Brady wanted Antonio Brown there. Well, fast forward, Antonio Brown claims that, you know, Brady was only being his friend in quotes because he's a good player. Then like Alex Guerrero's tied in for some um, Bill... I guess treatment or gym session or something like that that Antonio Brown didn't think he had to pay because he thought it was like a courtesy thing because these boys are Brady whatever and and now I think the further we get from the situation the more it looks like it was a money incentive issue to it all because then I believe it was the other day we learned that Antonio Brown and his agent approached Tampa Bay for the sole purpose of trying to get the incentive money guaranteed so why try to do that you know with a few weeks left in the season if then a couple weeks later you're going to talk about how you're too hurt to play then the over arching story to this is if it was an incentive issue there was a whole other game left in the season to play and we saw this past weekend where Brady was supposed to be pulled from the game but told Bruce Arians no went back out uh, under center just to throw a pass to Rob Gronkowski to get him his incentive money so who's to say he wouldn't have done that for Antonio Brown but some reason something clicked in Antonio Brown's head and you know he did what he did so the funniest part of it all is there was a report I saw sometime this week where Antonio Brown needed ankle surgery because of like bone fragments or something in his ankle which I guess if that were the case then yeah, I could see you being too hurt to play. It doesn't help that, you know, Antonio Brown, like I said, skipped through the uh, back of the end zone to the tunnel and then like jogged or ran down the tunnel. I like to think if you had bone fragments in your ankle, you wouldn't do that. But yeah, anyway. There has been no word of him getting this ankle surgery yet since the incident we've seen him at a Brooklyn Nets game we've seen him do a couple of interviews um, I guess he's in a studio recording some music or whatever I don't know It's when it first happened like I said I didn't buy in the whole 2 intro to play and the further we get from it I really don't buy into it So whether or not this is the final chapter of Antonio Brown's career, I don't know. Uh, I have a feeling it should be, but I have the sneaking suspicion that some team is going to give him yet another chance next year. But um, I just think it's going to be another one of those situations where a really talented guy ultimately sabotage their own career because of personality attitude off the field stuff whatever but uh, I mean Antonio's days in Pittsburgh he's one of the most uncoverable wide receivers in the league uh, even the one game he played in New England he scored a touchdown so he showed he still had it Tampa Bay. He was Brady's go to receiver the first year. And I guess not so much the second year, I guess. But he's he's still a very talented guy. It's just to the point now where if you're gonna bring him in to your organization, is it isn't gonna ultimately be worth it? And if you do, it's probably something where kind of at this point you can really only go by year to year basis no team is going to sign him to a multi-year deal because you have no idea how he's going to feel year two or any year after that will he just you know up and one out Mm. will he I don't know because we don't really know what to expect from Antonio Brown uh, when he's not the number one option and seeing most of the targets he gets unpredictable at that point so um, it's unfortunate like I said he is a really talented guy it's just that he gets in his own way at times I know there's talk about mental health and all that I mean if that is the case um, you know, then he's going to have to be the one to well, I guess not necessarily just on him but uh, either he somebody's family or his inner circle is going to have to point him in the direction to get some help whatever is necessary you know, go ahead and handle that if he has to do you know, Calvin Ridley and take some time away to focus on it go ahead and do that but Yeah, so Tampa Bay is now just going to be another uh, chapter in the section of uh, how did he screw that up in the ultimate book of Antonio Brown, I guess. So, um, so yeah, that's like I said, just my two cents again on Antonio Brown. But um, yes, like I said. For first week, 18 in the NFL, first 17-game season, I'd have to say it was kind of a wild success. Let's just putting a bow on the season real quick here. Um, I think the playoffs this year are going to be exciting. I think it's going to be a hint of unpredictability, unpredictability with it. Like I said, later in the week, when we go over the preview and all that, we'll see see how i pick these matches but i do think some of these matches will be difficult to pick and i think that's good for the nfl also remember this is going to be the first year with the new playoff schedule for wild card round what they normally did was three games saturday three games sunday this year we're getting two games on saturday three games on sunday and now a monday night wild card game i'm excited to see how that looks um, once again, later in the week we'll go over the schedule for playoffs, which games we played when, and yeah, really deep dive into all of that. But um, for the rest of this week, up until then, uh, we'll talk college football because the national championship happened Monday. Talk about that. Uh, congratulations to Georgia. Talk about what I saw in the game, what really caught my eye, and where do we go from here with college football. Uh, Also, we'll talk some MLB this week because it's been about a month since the lockout, and there was a report over the weekend that I think Thursday the owners and players association are supposed to get to the bargaining table to do their preliminary talks or open up the dialogue, whatever you want to say. So we'll talk about that. And I guess then at that point, we'll be ready to get ready for the wild card round, the playoffs. I may sneak some basketball in. We'll see. Um, Yeah, we'll see trying to think of some other things I might do but if I don't talk basketball then I think it was a couple weeks ago I talked about trying to do some kind of fun topics with you know sports weekly so I might do one of those this week I'm not sure which one yet but I'll let you know so once again thanks for tuning in uh, once again this is an episode that's a little bit longer than uh than normal at least with kind of the new format with a new direction i'm going with it so well because it's been a few days since the last episode i went a little bit longer on this one but as i said before i'm gonna try to keep them 30 35 minutes tops so uh, definitely get back to that model the next episode but um thanks again for tuning in if you're new here your first time listening hopefully you enjoyed it uh, you know you like the episode or subscribe leave a re- review whatever options are available to you uh, do all that and um, you, know, you can go back to some previous episodes check those out but uh, appreciate you stopping by hopefully come back around again and for those of you who've been here before I obviously appreciate you as well. But um, as I always say, be safe out there. Um, God bless, of course. And I'll catch you in the next episode. All right. I'm out.
0: This episode is made possible by PWC. It's getting hot out here. Are you prepared for a more sustainable future? Critical climate challenges require critical thinking. Move from theory to action with a human-led, tech-powered approach that can move the needle on the mercury, but also help you build trust and drive positive change for your business and for our planet. ESG is part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.